The scripture reading this evening is taken from Philippians chapter 1, verses 21 through 24. Philippians chapter 1, verses 21 through 24. For to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. But if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor, yet what I shall choose I wot not. For I am in a strait betwixt two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. figured uh, with all the depressing things that are happening around us that I would talk about an uplifting subject like death. (laughs) Last Sunday we talked about what happens to us after we die. But I wanted us to look at Paul's perspective of death. And I think that that's very interesting what we see. We know in William Shakespeare's Hamlet, uh, he asked the question to be or not to be. And the reason for that question was Hamlet didn't know whether it was more devastating to face the problems that we have, the afflictions in this life, or the fears of the unknown agonies of death. And certainly that is a problem that we realize. We, you know, we want to go to heaven. We realize the process that if the Lord doesn't return that we're going to die for that to happen. And that is part of the, the uh, seriousness that we have that we deal with of how it's going to happen. What's going to take place? Are we going to be sick or what's going to take, uh, take place in our lives? How much suffering will there be? Or will it be peaceful? Those are the things I think that everyone has questions about. But I think that Paul had a much better perspective on it and an outlook on life and death. And his statement that he makes here, I think, is much more refreshing than what Hamlet said. Because he says, For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. What an attitude, what a positive attitude to have. To realize that here in this life, and look at all the things that Paul went through because he had a tough life. And he's making that statement while he's perhaps uh, between two Roman soldiers because he's been arrested and he is imprisoned. But he describes the situation that he's in as a straight between betwixt two. That he realizes that it's much better to be in heaven. That it's much better to be with God as opposed to being here in this world. And I think that when we read the Bible and we study what, what is said about paradise and what is said about heaven, we realize that yes, that is a place that we want to go to. But Paul also realized that while there was work to do here on this earth, if that's where the Lord wanted him to be, that that's where he would be. And he's literally, by that statement, is showing that he is confined by his surroundings, kind of hemmed in. But spiritually, he is speaking of life and death. To Paul, life has meaning. Life has significance. Life has purpose. There are so many people in this world that do not realize what the meaning of life is. That their life is significant. And that they have a purpose in this life. 
And how sad that is to know that so many people realize or don't realize that God has something for them to do. And I don't believe that's going to be some miraculous calling. I think that when you read the Bible, you can find your purpose, what we're supposed to be doing as Christians, wherever we may be. Paul's life had meaning. It had significance. It had purpose. There are two things that still need doing. Work that was unfinished, and he realized that. In verse 24, he says, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. Sometimes we look at some of these subjects in a selfish way. What I want, but Paul, I think, is looking at it he knows there's work here to do that he can do, but he also knows there's a better place. But he realizes that by that statement, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. He would be willing to stay here and help those that needed help. Paul knows that death lurks on the horizon. He realizes that it's quite likely that he will never see freedom again. And most likely that he would die at the hands of Roman officials. And I want us to concentrate on what he says here in this passage of Scripture. Because we realize that we're all going to pass from this life, but we also need to realize there's a reward for us if we're faithful. But there also may be things that we need to do here on this earth. There's so much contained in that small phrase that Paul uses here describes how Paul looks at his impending death, having a desire to depart. I like the way he phrases that there in verse 23. Having a desire to depart. That word desire literally means a passionate desire. If Paul lives, he lives for Christ. He realizes that if he stays... He's going to do his uh, do uh, uh, the will that Jesus has for him. If Paul dies, he is confident and ready and prepared. How can we stand in the shadows of death with such peace and assurance and have this confidence that Paul had? For this reason, to depart means to be with Christ which is far better. When we think of that word depart, it comes, it has, there's different meanings that come from it. And the Greek word is used in many different ways. And I think it's a fascinating word when you look at it and you look at how it's used. It's used in different ways and it helps us, I think, to understand what Paul is talking about. And I may have mentioned these things before, but it's used as a nautical term. And I know that sometimes when I do a funeral for someone that was in the Navy, I use that point or make that point that the term depart or departing was used by sailors who pulled up their anchors so that their ship can set sail for another port. And really, when you watch that take place, it looks so peaceful when that anchor lee and that, that ship or that anchor's pulled up and that ship pulls out of that harbor and it just drifts out of sight. And that's really the picture I think that we see here. It's a beautiful picture of death for the child of God. Visualize that ship and that anchor pulling up and the sails in His day, the sails that would be on that ship. If you've ever been on a vessel that had sails, you realize how peaceful that is. 
Because that wind is blowing that ship and it is very quiet. I've been on one of those uh, boats that were like that. Not no huge boat, but it was a boat. One little sailboat. But it was probably one of the most peaceful rides that I've ever had on water. Why? There was no motor that was making any racket or noise at all. It was just going along. You could hear the waves and you could see the, or feel the wind. And that's the picture I think that we see. That ship leaves one harbor and just goes to another. Its destination. And that's the picture that we see when this term's used in a nautical way. It shows us that we leave this world. We leave the port of this world and our destination is in the great beyond. And our desire is that it's heaven. That's where we ultimately want to be. It's also a military term. The term depart was a word used by soldiers when they would pull up stakes and fold up their tents so that they could move to another campaign. I think Paul would understand that term because he was a tent maker and quite often he referred to the body, the physical body, as a tabernacle, as a tent. And he realized that this tent, this tabernacle, was temporary. When one takes up the stakes, they withdraw those stakes and they pull up that tent and they fold it up. And the same picture is true for us. When the end of time, when our time comes to an end, we pull up our stakes, we fold up our body, and we go to another place. For the child of God, all battles are over and there's peace forevermore. We also realize that it's a legal term, and it's used to describe the releasing of a prisoner. And I think Paul would understand what that is talking about. Because we realize the life that he had before he became a Christian, that he persecuted the Lord's church, and he did it ignorantly, but we realize the havoc that he called, that's the, that he caused in the church. And that's the word that's used in Acts chapter 8. That he wreaked havoc. He made havoc of the church. Did a lot of things to a lot of people. Consented to their death. Took letter, had letters that gave him the authority to take Christians and bind them and put them in prison. Persecuted the Lord's church. A church that later he became a part of when he obeyed the Gospel. But I think that he understood what that term would mean in the sense of releasing a prisoner. Because Paul is imprisoned, literally, as he makes this statement. And whether he will ever be freed from the Roman prison to continue his life, he doesn't know at that particular time. But he does know that one day, just as a prisoner is freed from the shackles and chains, that those prison doors are going to be opened. So that he will be free from sin from sorrow, from sadness, the situations that sometimes act as shackles in this life. When we pass from this life, we're free from those things. We sing a song, I'll fly away. And the phrase in one of those verses, like a bird from prison, bars have flown, I'll fly away. 
again, beautiful picture when you think about it. When you think about a bird just flying off, that's kind of the way it is. And if you've ever seen a bird that's been caged and has been freed or let loose, and sometimes it may be a wild bird that may have been rehabilitated and it's ready to go, it wants out of that cage. And when that door's open, it flies off and it's just a peaceful, beautiful picture. That's what our death should look like. A ship sailing off, a prisoner being released, all of those things come to mind in that word. It's also an agricultural term used by farmers to describe the unyoking of an ox. When that takes place, the oxen that was harnessed is free from its burden. One day Paul knows that he will lay down all of his heavy burdens and be transformed. How can Paul envision death in such a way? How can he have such a positive outlook on life? Because of the person that he should go to. He had that attitude because he knew Jesus Christ. He had that attitude because he knew God Almighty. He had that attitude because he knew the Spirit. All of those things were important to him. The story is told of a sailor who was terribly wounded. The doctor told him that he needed surgery, but his chances of survival were very, very slim. And he was asked, what would you like to do? He said, go on with it, doctor. That was his reply. And later, after the soldier made a full recovery, he was asked how he could face a situation with such calmness and confidence. And this was his answer. I knew whichever way it went, that there would be a welcome for me. If I lived, I knew my mom would be there to welcome me. And if I died, that Jesus would welcome me. Is that our attitude in life today? Paul knows that for him to die is gain. But for him to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. There's another song that came to mind as I worked on this, and that is, What a Day It Will Be. Can you imagine that day? And if we're found faithful that we walk into heaven and we see our Lord and we spend eternity with Him. Another one of those terms is not... It doesn't even make sense when we talk about eternity. Spend eternity. Because usually when you spend something, it's gone. We're going to be with God forever and ever and ever. We talk about terms that we use for God that we can't really uh, understand what they mean about God. Because God is so far above us, sometimes when we even think of our destination, where we want to go, it is so far above our imagination that we can't even comprehend it. He wanted to go because of Jesus and what He had done. But He also wanted to go because of the place that He would arrive at. There was a man and his little girl were out walking one night. The moon was full, the sky was clear, and the stars were just magnificent. I'm sure you've seen nights like that where you've gone outside, maybe come in from your car to go into the house, and you look up in the sky and you can see that full moon and you can see all the stars just all over. And sometimes when you get away from the light, it's just spectacular. 
The little girl turned to her father and said, If the wrong side of heaven is so beautiful, what shall the right side be like? And I thought of that the first time I flew in an airplane. And we got that, or that airplane got up above the clouds. And you looked out and you saw those clouds. <clears throat> and that was the first time that I'd <clears throat> seen the clouds from that angle. I had always had to look up at the clouds. But this time, I'm on top of the clouds flying along. And I thought, this is beautiful. You know, when you move your furniture at home, I'm sure that if you look behind some of the wooden furniture or some of the other furniture, couches and chairs, you look at the back of it or you look underneath of it, it's not finished like the front of it. Man has a tendency not to waste time on making the back side of something look good. But God even makes the backside of His creation look good. Paul realized that where he was going, that earth had a lot of beautiful things, but heaven was much more beautiful. We need to realize that. We look out there at the creation of God and it's spectacular. I've seen things that are just unbelievable to see. But I can't imagine what heaven will be like. Revelation chapter 14. One of the things that we realize that there's no place like heaven and when we get there, we're going to rest. We have labored for our Lord while we're here on this earth. Paul is stating that if there's more for me to do, I'm willing to stay and do whatever it is you want me to do, Lord. But listen to what it says in Revelation chapter 14 and verse 13. I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, Write, Blessed are the dead which die in the Lord from henceforth. Yea, saith the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors, and their works do follow them. When we get to our final destination, we're not going to be working. We're going to be resting. Our works are going to follow us. I think in the sense that they're going to be remembered here for a while, but it's also the things that got us to where we're going to be. Those are the treasures that we've laid up in heaven. We also see that According to 1 Corinthians 15 chapter, that this body, this physical body that goes down into the ground and decays is going to come forth and is going to be changed. This mortal body is going to put on incorruption. We're not going to decay. We're not going to rot away. We're not going to have any ailments. Those things are going to be gone. We realize from other passages of Scripture that this body is going to be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. And we can look forward to that. And we're not going to have the aches and the pains and the diseases and all the things that we see in this life. They're going to be no more in heaven. And one of my favorite passages of Scripture when we talk about heaven isn't so much the description that is given in Revelation 21 of all the jewels and things of that nature, but there's one verse in particular, and you probably already know what it is, Revelation chapter 21 and verse 4. Because that passage of Scripture will make heaven worth whatever we have to go through in this life. 
It says in that passage of Scripture, "...and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. There shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away." What a day that will be when we get to heaven and we realize the joy of serving our God and praising Him forever and ever. There's no place like heaven on this earth. He also wanted to go there because of the peace that He would enjoy. You think of all the suffering that Paul went through and the afflictions after his conversion. He was persecuted, beaten, stoned, shipwrecked, Several things happened to him. He's now in prison as we read in Philippians chapter 1. But with death comes peace. And that peace will endure throughout eternity if we are our faithful child of God. And no matter what our struggles here are here on this earth, heaven is going to be worth whatever we have to do here on this earth because we're going to have peace forevermore. You see, the believer is just a pilgrim here on this earth. This world is not our home. We are just passing through. And we have something that the world does not have. It's available to the world, but we have hope. And that hope keeps us going. That keeps us moving forward, doing what we do, pressing on toward the mark, because we realize that it's going to be worth whatever price we have to pay. Which may be our freedom, may be our life, may be whatever. But heaven will be worth whatever we have to pay. He also realized that he wanted to be with our Lord because of the people that wait with him or wait for him. Paul had loved ones, I'm sure, that had gone on to be with the Lord, fellow believers. Christians who had been faithful, some that had been executed, others that had been persecuted. I'm sure that he looked forward, just like you and I, look forward to seeing people that we know. But most of all, I believe that Paul could look at death with peace because he realized that one day soon he was going to be with his Lord. That's where he wanted to go. I don't hear him or recall Scripture that says, I look forward to seeing so-and-so in heaven. I see Scriptures that say he looks forward to being with Christ. Maybe if that was our attitude, we would have a different perspective on death also. I'm not saying we're we're not going to miss people and that we shouldn't be sorrowful when they pass. I'm not saying any of that. But I'm saying that our primary focus should be upon our Lord, that we want to see Him. Whatever Whatever it costs, it will be worth it all to see Jesus. One day God will call each one of us to stand before Him. question is, are we prepared for that day? The only way that you and I can have peace 
and have the peace that Paul had about death and standing before the Lord is by knowing Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Paul writes that life has a purpose and that death is not permanent. And one day, like a ship, we'll sail away. And one day, like a soldier, this tent will be folded up. And one day, like a prisoner, we're going to walk through that open door. One day like that oxen, we're going to lay down that burden. Tonight, if you haven't obeyed the Gospel, we would encourage you to do that. Because you need that hope. Because without that hope, life has a totally different meaning. And so I would encourage you, if you're not a Christian, to think seriously about your soul and make the changes that are necessary. Need to be baptized into Christ. Why is that important? Because that's the death, burial, and resurrection. That old man of sin is crucified, and we come up out of that water a new creature. But we also must be faithful while we're here on this earth. And sometimes that's where we fail. Sometimes we get discouraged, and sometimes we give up. We have to keep our focus upon the goal and keep pressing on. Now, if you're not pressing on, make changes in your life. If you need our prayers, we're here to help in any way that we can. Have a seat on the front row while we stand and sing.